Welcome to another episode of 10 Minute Tech Calm. This is Ryan Weber at the University of Alabama in Huntsville, and today I'm pleased to bring you an interview with Catherine Spivey, who serves as the General Services Administration's Plain Language Launcher for the government's Plain Language Initiative. She's here to tell us all about how governments and businesses can achieve plain language in their writing and their web materials. Welcome to the program, Catherine. We really appreciate you and the work that goes on at plainlanguage.gov. I guess to get started, can we just sort of briefly define what is plain language? Sure. Plain language is, you know, at, at its briefest, it's communication your audience can understand the first time they read or hear it. Okay. And, you know, there's three elements that you sort of like, you know what they say, you know, the most important leg of a three-legged stool. These all work together. Users need to be able to find what they need, understand what they find, and use okay. what they found to meet their needs. If you can't do those things, you know, it's really not ringing all of the plain language bells. Tell us a little bit about how this works in practice. I should say first that you may hear it described a couple of different ways plain writing, plain English, clear English. There's a trend. There's a trend to start calling it clear communications because that incorporates more disciplines like oh, writers, yeah. editors, instructional mm -hmm. designers. You know, so far the trend is really clear communications, which is which is good to know. And there's a lot of international interest in this as well. We found that perhaps the best example is some of the things that we're seeing every day is uh, okay. some of the very fine work that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is doing on clarifying mortgage statements. Another huge area is health literacy, health communications. People, you know, have get information from the doctor and they need to be able to comply with what they're being asked to do and they're finding that there's a huge gap and we're not even talking about people for whom english is a second language that's an almost an entirely different issue but people mm -hmm. who are native speakers and still don't understand what they're being asked to do it's the holiday season people are probably buying stuff and using their credit cards and they're getting monthly statements. That little statement that says, if you pay the minimum, it'll take you 17 billion years to pay this off. That was a plain language initiative. Not necessarily one driven by the government, but plain language sort of everywhere. That's a good example. Can you give us a few more examples of the kinds of revision that plain language entails? Sure. It sounds to me as if some of the, what you're asking is, uh, what are the techniques that you can bring use to increase plain language? Uh, the, yeah, that's a, that's a good place to start, yes. Yeah. Um, the biggest place, really, I mean, the most important step, not necessarily the easiest, but the most important, is to organize with your reader or your user in mind. And this okay. is a huge step. A lot of government agencies, you know, you work with people to develop web pages so that more people can do self-service, which is a big thing with websites. You can really drive down costs. If your web pages are useful and people can do a lot self-service, download stuff, send a, send a form electronically, you know, whatever they need to do. That is difficult because people in the government often have so much they want to explain. You know, and they're, they're not trying to be difficult. They just want to give people, really, they want to give people the fullest possible picture. And it is very difficult to explain to, you know, what we call stakeholders, that their audience doesn't care about a, a number of things, like 
how long they've been in office. Mm -hmm. They don't care about that at all. What how long the program has existed. Exactly. Yeah, the legal the authority for the program. They don't care. And that is a very difficult barrier to, to sort of break down because, you know, people come to the web to do something. So mm -hmm. a few government agencies have a fan club. You know, people come to the government to do things and they want to do those things as easily and quickly as possible. People got used to, oh, put it up on the web. It's easy. It's cheap. There's, you know, no barriers. But that doesn't necessarily help people trying to do things. They're trying to find out if your great aunt is eligible for veterans companion care. You know, it's very difficult to find that, just as a, just a possibility. So organizing with the reader in mind is the most important, and mm -hmm. it is the hardest. Some of the other techniques we use are, are pretty much journalism and business writing. I mean, plain language isn't new. It's existed for a very, very long time. The, the Plain Language Action and Information Network at plainlanguage.gov started in the mid-90s. Okay. To, you know, work with people and, you know, work with the federal government and try and make plain language a little bit more of a reality. But some of these techniques are using pronouns. That's huge. That's also very difficult to convince people to do. But there's enough of a barrier already with the federal government and citizens that mm -hmm. anything you can do to make that easier, you know, and pronouns are, are an easy thing. Uh, active voice. Unfortunately, governments are notorious for passive voice. Mm -hmm. you know, mistakes were made, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, right, big voice, subject, so. ambiguous, yes. Exactly. It's either yeah. that or we're potted plants, one of the two. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, using active voice, using short sentences and paragraphs, using common everyday words. I used to do some usability testing with, you know, that tested federal websites. And no matter what the agency, no, ma no matter what the purpose of the website, people complained about lots of things. So three things commonly made the top 10 list that were plain language oriented. One, way too much text. Okay. There's just too much information there. The other is too many acronyms. They're an immediate barrier and using jargon. Yeah. And that gets all back to organizing with the reader in mind. We can't guarantee that only experts in our agency will come to our pages. Sure. In We'd fact, it's unlikely if you're trying to serve the public, you can almost exactly. guarantee that they won't. Exactly. Yeah. You have to make certain decisions. But, you know, we found that the more decisions you make like that in favor of plain language, the easier people find it to use your web pages, and so you have happier people. That's a, <laughs> that's a very rough summary of a complicated process. And some of the other things are really you know, like basic for the web, but using headers, using bulleted lists, using tables, although they don't really work with smartphones, so we're kind of trying to fix that. But you know, they're, they're all attainable techniques. I mean, everybody can do them. And sure. what I'm trying to say also is there's a spectrum. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I still get stuff where they say, well, you know, the lawyers said it was okay. And I'm like, mm, okay. So there's some things here that you need to rethink. And they don't like doing it because they thought they were done. But we're really advocating for the public. Right. We're really advocating for our users. And as we brought up slightly earlier, it's the law. Right, yeah. Can you talk a little more about that? There's sure. a plain language act, correct? Yes. 
the plain language, well, actually, this is where I said, you know, people use different phrases. This is the Plain Writing Act I of see. 2010. So it is, the, the purpose is listed. This is, for those of you who are writing this down, Public Law mm-hmm. 111-274, 111th Congress. Okay. Passed in 2010, made effective. Everybody had to be in compliance by 2011. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, the issue is what's covered, what has to be in plain language. And the, what, they, what they use is the phrase covered document. Okay. So any document that is necessary for obtaining any federal government benefit or service or for, for filing taxes. So that's Social Security, that's Medicaid, that's, you know, veterans benefits, things like that. Anything that provides information about any federal government benefit or service or anything that explains to the public how to comply with the requirement the federal government administers or enforces. Okay. Okay. And this is both paper or electronic. You know, it, it covers it very generously. Now, there are a couple of things it doesn't cover. It doesn't cover internal email. As much as we'd like to turn in our colleagues for not adhering to the Plain Writing Act, you know, they're, they're really not going to be focusing on that. Um, it also doesn't cover regulations. You know, the Plain Regulations Act is somewhere. I haven't been following it all that closely because I don't personally deal with regulations and I you know, just haven't been. But that's the focus of the law, the covered documents. You know, and what do you have to do? And we passed the deadline. It became effective October 13th, 2011. So all new documents after that had to have to be in plain language if they're a covered document. Can you give, you give us some good examples of some of the principles in action? Can you give me, say, a sentence, like a before and after sentence that was not in plain language and then has been revised to be in plain language? Absolutely. I keep an email folder of all the examples that come across my screen. But the latest one that I've been thinking of is, please be advised that anything. And right now I'm getting them from the IT department. Please be advised that. And there are so many things wrong, I don't know where to begin. But fundamentally, the please be advised, that's passive voice right there. It's also a complete filler. Mm-hmm. For example, if the message is, please be, be advised that our VPN connection is intermittent. You know, you've put the information, the important information in the middle of the sentence. That's a great example of introducing needless words that just kind of complicate everything. I think that's a good point. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate you sharing some of the principles and techniques of plain language with us. I'm happy to be here, Ryan.